This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Cosmo Happy Hour. It's everything you would talk about with your best friends, from sex to celebrity to entertainment. From the editors of Cosmopolitan.com, this is the Cosmo Happy Hour with Elisa Benson. Welcome to another episode of Cosmopolitan.com's Happy Hour Podcast. We are talking about two of my favorite things, love and drinking, specifically how they intersect. So we are joined by Pamela Wisnitzer, who is like a cocktail master in New York City. And not only does she make delicious cocktails, but she knows a thing or two about how people meet in bars. We are also joined by my lovely colleague, Helen Jung, Cosmopolitan.com's executive lifestyle editor, to talk about all things love and booze and sex and bars. So before we even get into the show, on the subject of love, I have to tell you guys this hilarious story. You guys know I've been obsessed with talking about Fabletics recently. It's this really like high-end, Kate Hudson-founded activewear company. So I've been talking about how I've been really into working out, and I just ordered my first outfit from Fabletics. And I got this cute little like tee that ties at the waist and this pair of what they call crackle print leggings that almost look like a liquid legging. So you guys, these are magical leggings. I was wearing them to yoga class the other day, walking across town in New York City. And this man came up to me and literally stopped me in the street to be like, I just have to tell you how beautiful you are. That has never happened to me in my life. These leggings are magical. Um, The whole point of Fabletics is that they're really designing these clothing that you can wear to your yoga class and then like go out to brunch and after, which I feel like sounds good in theory. And then I wore the leggings. They are magical. I'm going to wear them even when I don't go to yoga class. So I want you guys to check it out. I've been talking about this all week. I was so excited to finally like road test these in real life and have men just like following me down the street. Um, so go to fabletics.com slash Elisa. You can check it out for yourself. Um, it's an awesome company where every week they email you or I'm sorry, every month they email you recommendations of cool outfits that kind of fit the way you like to work out, your sizes, your color preferences. You get to choose one that's sent to you every month. So go to fabletics.com slash Elisa. You can get a complete outfit for $25. They're throwing in the free shipping and everything, free exchanges. The other thing that I love about it is if you're kind of a shrimp like me, the leggings come in short inseams so they don't pull around your ankles. And I think that's why they look so hot when you wear them in real life. So people will hit on you and you'll have a cute outfit for your yoga class. Check it out, fabletics.com slash Elisa. Hello, Helen. Hi, Lisa. So, Helen, um, this or that, cocktails or love, which do you prefer? Ooh, that's a tough one. Definitely love, but I think with that comes drinking sometimes. So, <laughs> so you're not going to choose. You say yeah. no. Okay. <laughs> I, I want it all. Yeah, I, yeah, you want it all. I choose cocktails. Um, and another woman in our, the room today that we're so excited to have join us is Pam Wisnitzer, who is bartender extraordinaire and creative director at Seamstress on the Upper East Side. Hi, Pam. Hi, how are you? Um, so what about you? Cocktails or love? I mean, I, th- I think it depends on the day. <laughs> sometimes you don't want the love, you just want the cocktails. Right, so. exactly. But sometimes with cocktails comes love. So, And Pam, how long have you been working in the 
it, what do we even call it? The cocktail space, bartending? Yeah, the industry. The industry, yeah. Um, technically speaking, 10 years, because uh, I did bartending college a bit on the side, uh, but professionally, like full on, uh, getting to, into my seventh year. Okay, Which okay. is really exciting. Um, and I feel like I cannot wait to talk to you about, I mean, just the way the industry has changed so much. You're obviously a professional, so you know more, way more about this than I do, but it's just there has been an explosion, I think, of people really interested in everything that you're doing, which is creating really amazing sort of, how would we even describe it? Boundary pushing cocktails. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it starts from the top up, like it started in the culinary scene, you know, you even saw like top chef and like people started to revere chefs as this like new profession and career that like, you know, they're kind of like celebrities. And so for that, then it came into desserts and pastries and then it came down to beverages. So it's like baristas and sommeliers and now bartenders. Right. And this, this whole new appreciation for a craft that was around really, you know, pre-prohibition around that time. It was, they'd said that um, Jerry Thomas back in the day, one of the like leading bartenders 1800s made more money than the vice president at the time in the United wow. States. So like they were celebrities and um, it's it, it's fun to see that um, people are graduating college and want to be bartenders now and um, it's going to be growing right. over the next few years. You're right. Bringing, I love that thinking about bringing back that sort of like celebrity to it and yeah. you're really literally a tastemaker. Yeah. But remembering that it all like comes, comes home to just like serving people at your bar yeah. and making sure you're creating a great space and in, in your home no matter like what else you're doing on the side your home base, your bar is where it all starts. And I think that is why it is so natural to talk about cocktails in the same breath as talking about love and relationships. Um, and it's, of course, that's what we're always wanting to talk about at Cosmo. But I, I think one of the things that is sort of everybody's first date, especially in New York City, everyone's first date is at a bar. Can you immediately sort of pick out the first dates that are happening around you when you're serving people? Can you tell like, oh, they met on Tinder? How apparent is that? It's it's really apparent when someone's waiting for a date. Yeah. Um, you, there's, you know, when someone sits at your bar, uh, sometimes they have like a lot of full confidence. Sometimes they're a little bit anxiety ridden. And when someone's on a first date, especially when they've never met the person, so whether it be a blind date, a Tinder date, or something else, uh, they sit there and there's a little bit of hesitation. Right. And they're seeing a little bit nervous and easy because they're waiting for someone to walk in who they've never seen before. Right. Um, so as a bartender, all you can try to do is to ease right. <laughs> ease that burden in a way. You know, bring them a water, bring them a menu, talk. I always introduce myself with my name. Yeah. It's so important that they have like a third party or somebody else to go to. God forbid something goes bad. Or if it's going really well, then they feel like they have a friend next to them, a buddy. Right. That they can like high five and be like, get us another round of drinks. Oh my gosh, that is so clutch because there's nothing worse than first of all, that moment where you're waiting for your date to arrive. Helen, I'm sure you're well, you're in a very happy relationship now, but I'm sure you remember this because you're a very punctual person. So I'm sure you are always in the position of waiting and the guy to arrive. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, pretty much. You're always waiting. I, to be fair, I'm usually one the one that's like rolling up after the date already starts. But if you are there first and you're waiting, if you don't have anyone to talk to, I just find in that moment, it's like I don't want to be on my phone. When you're nervous and you're waiting for someone to arrive, you want to actually be talking, having a human conversation. Yeah. The natural inclination is actually to take your phone out. So, I mean, the biggest thing is, especially when people are, are coming on first dates from Tinder or right. Grindr or whatever it might be, they're constantly looking at the picture so they can look around the room and see recognize that Do person they walk in. Do I know what this person in. looks like? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's a key indicator. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with going like on a Tinder date to a bar. And I, right. in this day and age and the way that we meet people, it's very natural. Right. Um, 
So it, you, you should be doing that, but definitely you can sense um, <laughs> a bit of trepidation, I can, I can say, from, from the guests. So uh, just know that the bartender is honestly there to root for you. They're on your they, side. They, they, just, they just really want to get you laid. Right. Like that is, that is our role, our role is to make sure we provide hospitality and that comes in many ways, shapes, and forms. Right. Yeah. Most importantly, getting people laid. Um, is there a rule, and like Helen, you can jump in on this too, because I always like turn to you as my etiquette expert but um if you arrive first do you go ahead and order your drink so that you're already drinking when your date shows up or is it like you wait for them to order I never really know which is another reason in addition to being a person who is always running late that I like to arrive after my date um, a lot of people order a water, um, uh, and it's really great. It's a great placeholder, and you know you're hydrating yourself, which is great because you don't know how many rounds you're about to have with someone. Right. Because it could be one round if it goes bad. It right. Could be, there could be multiple rounds if it's going great, but the hydration is the key factor. Um, I've seen people sometimes, if someone's extremely late, like a half an hour or something, like, order yourself a drink. Right. You deserve it. And then make that other person pay for it because they, they, right. they, they exactly. were so late. Is that common in New York? Like, I feel like I'm, like, literally a person who's always running, like, 20 minutes late, which is maybe, I feel like it's so acceptable here because people are always just like, the subway. I don't know. Do you see people waiting, like, for 20, 30 minutes? Is that normal? I, I do. I think that just comes with uh, the, where we are in this day and age with society. I think as the cell phone became more popular, right. it gave people more excuses to be, like, to communicate faster. So then being late was something that is fine because you, you at least told them. Because back in the day when it was like the 80s, you had no cell phones. Like you had to show up at that movie at that time. So right. you were not late because you couldn't call their answer machine from a, a pay phone and get in touch with them. Right. So it just gives That's us a good point. It gives us a lot of reasons to have excuses. But with that said, um, people try to be on time. But, you know, subways happen. Right. Subways happen. <laughs> it is. I feel like the joke is like you're always texting like on my way. And that means you haven't even left yet. You're like still at the office. Helen, do you order a drink before someone arrives? No, I don't. So you wait yeah. and order with them. I is do. that rude? Am I stupid to even ask that? I don't know. No. Well, I don't know that it like necessarily occurs to me that it's something that I need to be thinking about. You know, it's just right. like, I sit down. There's water. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Some some people are really really nervous. So yeah. and listen for some people. Um, they just need a drink. And I will say, like, psychologically speaking with men and women, there is actually a very distinct divide. Um, for women, actually, it's you should not get that drink because it's actually bad for us. Right. <laughs> and it, it induces our anxiety. But for men, it's actually a stress uh, releaser. Uh -huh. So for them to have a drink sometimes can relieve their stress really a lot help. more. I feel like I do. And again, I'm never on time. I don't know why I've turned this into a <laughs> podcast about me being late, but like that will be a future episode. Times Elise has been late for important things. But I feel like I do have this image in my mind of being like cool girl turning around from the bar with like a cocktail in hand, you know, like, oh, just like, you know, staking out this spot, have this drink already. You know, I think that seems kind of cool. Except it's always so awkward when you're meeting someone for the first it's time. It's so you know? awkward. Like, do you hug? Do you go in for a cheek kiss? Like, right. what, what's happening? And there is always that nervousness about you. Usually there's that sort of like mutual moment of like, oh, yeah, you're the person I'm. But you're never sure if it's someone you're meeting for the first time. So, you know, it's a Tinder date or a Grindr date or J-Swipe or Bumble, whatever it is, because of the first awkward hug. Right. So um, and you see it where it's like there's that mo there's that moment hesitation. Someone will put their arms out always and then they do go for it. But you can be like, 
a really good friend hug is like your bodies are up close also right. and everything else here there's like it's like that awkward middle school dance yes where you know you it's like lots of room between the two of you yes. as you're holding the shoulders and the hips but and that's what these hugs are like and it's it's fine it's normal it's better than a handshake right because that's really weird <laughs> right a handshake is basically like will you accept my invitation on LinkedIn <laughs> like that's so impersonal so I mean that's definitely a that's 100% a key indicator. Um, with that said, it also eases a bit of the tension. I think, you know, as you said, like you have a drink in hand and you, you know, whip your hair around and you see the person and, right. you know, there's that moment like, what do I do? But like a hug is normal right. and it's okay. And I'm waiting there with a the menu <laughs> wanting to make sure that your guest is now okay as well. And have you, you know, it's so clear that hospitality and really taking care of your customers is so important to you. Have there been times where it was like such an awkward date that you really felt like you were sort of like regular, like, do you remember a time where you were like, oh my gosh, the date from hell, I was witnessing it. I was regularly sort of like inserting myself just to move this painful moment along. Yeah. The, I think the, there's such a wonderful ballet that happens between a bartender and a guest. And another part of it is knowing when to insert yourself into a conversation and when not to. So um, word up to the wise, we hear everything at a bar. Okay. This little insider industry Oh my God. Secret. Tell us some confessions. No. Tell us some crazy no, things. No, no. Uh, that's, 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 stays at the bar. that stays with us. That's like part of our <laughs> secret society. Like right. we, we are not to reveal the secrets, but we, we can hear what you say. Cause it's kind of like an amphitheater. So uh. all your volume and all your voices head our way so we can hear all conversations from all ends of the bar. So like, I know when you're ready for another drink because you're like, I think I want another round. And I run over and I'm like, heard you want another round. <laughs> so I can hear what you're talking about. Um, so sometimes if I see body language wise and sometimes with your conversation, things are going like a bit astray or awry, I will come over and, you know, be like, hey, like, how are your cocktails? Like, I'll break it up a bit. Right. Especially if I see someone getting very awkward about a topic that's brought up. So, like, right. hopefully it'll change the topics a bit. And I can lead me, like, did you like your drink? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, what, where do you guys normally go, like, get cocktails? And, like, we'll change it a little. Right. So. Oh, my God. I now need to have every date I ever go on, like, within, like, at your bar. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. I love, I, I love love. I think that's, like, a statement. That's why I go to so many weddings. I'm like, I love love. So... <laughs> You know, I obviously want the best for everybody. Um, if it's not working, I'm not going to try to help facilitate it. But, you know, it's nice when you meet two people and they come back to your bar and they're like, remember when we were here, we had our first date with you. And I was like, I do. I oh do remember. Gosh, that is so cute. It is cute. So you've actually seen relationships. You've been there from, like, the moment they were born. Yeah. My, my really good friend, Tommy was like a regular and a guest of mine at like a sports bar back in the day. And he sort of started seeing this girl, uh, Lourdes, and he brought her in for lunch one day. And he and when she went to the bathroom, he's like, okay, what do you think? And I was like, I love her. You can't let her go. She goes, I know, I cannot let her go. And then three years later, I went to their wedding. Oh, so, that's so And they're sweet. like family to me. But it's like one of those things, like sometimes, you know, you're there as a litmus test. Yeah. Which is fun. I had um, a bartender friend back in the day when I lived in the East Village and it was this like little divey bar at my corner but um my roommate and I became really good friends with this guy Marty who has since moved to California but um he was the best like he was the bartender that every like single girl in her 20s needs in her back pocket because we would basically bring all my roommate and I would bring all of our dates there and he would always make us look so cool like kiss on the cheek and he was really hot so it was always like kiss on the cheek like Elisa so good to see you like first rounds on me and I feel like it was like the best way to make my like dumb online dates think I was cool. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's fun. I, you know, Helen and I were talking about this yesterday, which was really interesting. Like, what what type of bars do you take somebody to on a first date? Right. And so, like, I say like, to everybody, my bar seamstress is actually, and <laughs> I think it was Grub Street listed as one of the best places to take a date. Awesome. Is that because you work there? I think no, <laughs> not entirely. It's it's a, the the vibe and everything. It's actually yeah. have a lot of two tops. There's a bar space. There's cozy corners. Um, it's a great, and honestly, it is a great place for a date because you could just have a drink. It could turn into dinner if you wanted it to. Right. But with that said, um, sometimes you have to walk a fine line. So, like, I always say never go to a venue, never choose a place you've never been to. Right. Because now you're both walking into an awkward situation where no one has a, a familiar background there. Right. So it's so much foreign and alien territory that everyone's going to be uncomfortable. What I do say is go to a place where sometimes you go to, sometimes you're very comfortable with the bartender. Right. Um, just don't take every single one of your dates there because then the bartender is going to be like, okay, what's up? <laughs> right, right, you know, right. Like, trying to pretend every time like it's someone new and be like, this is the 12th date you brought this month <laughs> into my bar. But um, I do say like have, have a good like three to four places that you like to go to that you can suggest if it's up to you. Right. Or if you're a guy and you're listening to this. Um, or a girl doesn't matter. Just make sure that it's um, a place that you feel comfortable. That you know that on a Thursday night you can sit down. Right. You don't want to go to a place that's overly crowded. I mean, then what are you gonna do? Like, do you have a backup plan? Right. So. That is sort of my biggest fear. First of all, I have to be honest. Like, I know this is probably not very like feminist lady thing to say, but like, I sort of like to have the guy pick because you just don't really. I'm like, I can drink anywhere. Like, I'm fine with like having a beer. I love to go to fancy cocktail places, but like, you don't. Necessarily necessarily want to suggest that if the guy is like cheap I don't know so I like to put it in the hands of the guys but my biggest fear is always that you will be at a bar where there won't be a space to sit yeah and you have that awkward like do we like try to yelp another place yeah I say whoever asks out the person it was your doing so you make the plans you make the plan um so like I've asked out men before in my past and I mean also I'm different because I there are all these bars they're like let's go to death and co or let's go to pdt and I'm like no my friends work there <laughs> I don't want anyone to see me right. um but uh I would be intimidated if I were going on a date with you I'd be intimidated to pick because you know all the best spots to go yeah, yeah. and hazards of dating a bartender yeah hazards. um but Helen and I talked about this also that um, sometimes a good conversation to have leading up to a date is also knowing what that person is inclined to, to drink and not to drink. Like, what if they have an allergy? What if they have an aversion to something? So like we said, you know, if don't just assume ahead of time that you should go to a tequila bar uh, because what if your person had a horrible experience with tequila and doesn't drink it? Right. Now you're screwed. So what you should do ahead of time is saying like, oh, like what do you like wine, beer, cocktails? And then say, is there anything particularly like? And they say, oh yeah, I like really love mezcal and, and tequila. Bingo, now you can like look up a few places and be like, I thought it'd be fun to do like a flight of tequilas. Right. And now you're winning bonus points because you thought you gave it a little bit more thought ahead of time. And word to the wise, if you put a little bit of thought into it, saying that like you prepared ahead of time, it goes a long way because your date will come back and be like, You wouldn't believe they like thought about they heard what I said and they remembered it, as opposed to just going to any average cocktail joint. Right. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Doing a flight of tequila is such, I would have never thought to do that, but that's such a fun date idea. Or especially, maybe even especially for like a second date where you actually know that you like the person and like want to have three rounds of tequila with yeah. them. I mean, you might meet someone who says, like, I love, I like, outdoor, unique spaces, outdoor spaces, and maybe you're, like, in California or something, and there's some great uh, rooftop bars or outdoor bars, and so do that. Like, ask, probe, ask a few questions ahead of time. 
not too many, but, you know, and Helen and I were saying, like, know the venue, like, right. you know, do a bit of research. Yelp isn't always the best, but sometimes it leads you to some really great places, open table as well. Right. So how, oh, go ahead, Helen, jumping in. We've been talking a lot about Tinder dates and just like meeting online, which is so common and totally fine and normal. But I still think for most people, the holy grail is like the meet cute that happens at the bar. You see them across the room and then you say hello. Does that actually still happen or is that a thing that's like of the past? Please give us hope. <laughs> it's, it's funny because Tinder's actually taken the place of that experience of what happens at a bar. So think about Tinder actually works the same way as a bar. You walk into a bar normally, you look around the room and you say yes, no, yes, I would, I would not. Definitely not. Absolutely, he's super hot. She's super hot. Like X, Y, and Z. So now Tinder's doing the same thing. It's just you walk, you know, you're close by. It's as if you're in a bar and you're like, yes, no, yes, no. The funniest is when the two go hand in hand. Someone walks in a bar and like makes it like a one mile radius to see who's in the bar. Who also, because the scariest thing about going to a bar is walking up to someone who you think is really attractive and then they're like, I have a boyfriend. I have a girlfriend. And right. then you feel embarrassed, which is actually why most people don't do in the first place because they're worried about that. Which is what Tinder's actually um, supplied for the singles is ability to know who is single. Right. There is still hope to meet people at a bar. But I think the biggest part of it is knowing how to cordially do it. Um, sometimes a bartender is actually able to help assist in that situation. Uh, we know a lot of the people coming to our bar or we're able to like slyly ask and be like, hey, your friend here, are they single? Like I know someone in this room is like really kind of interested in them and love to say hi. Like, you know, we're, we're here. That's is that the dream. Yeah. And I have my friend Caitlin met her husband at a bar. Like, I have no tons of people who still meet people at bars. But remember, you don't need 12 drinks to feel that you have courage to walk up to them. Right. Uh, you you definitely, um, you know, it's a lot. And some girls, you can go talk to guys. That's super sexy. Girls, you can go talk to girls. Guys, you can go talk to girls. Guys, can talk to guys. You know, it's just just feel like, you know, what do you have to lose? Nothing. There's like nothing to lose. What are some good opening lines? Oh, to, to, first off, don't use a line. But <laughs> but uh, my friend Christian, it's so funny. Um, I met his girlfriend Roxy, and she's like delightful. But I guess they were at a bar around like Halloween time, and she was sitting like near like a really big pumpkin. And he's and he like walked over and said some kind of line like, "I was gonna bring a bigger one, but like I'm glad you brought the, the sizable one here to the bar." He's like <laughs> to, to so carve, cute. and it was funny because she was like, "What are you talking about?" And turned around, saw the pumpkin, and like that's how they started talking, Aww. like something funny. Yeah, just like that observational comment on something in the room. In yeah, but but lines don't work. Like, did it hurt? What when you fall from heaven? Like that just doesn't <laughs> like work at all. But um, sincerity and just coming up, you know, saying like. Be like, hey, like, what are you drinking right now? Or, 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 or just a song comes on, like, be like, oh, I hate Bieber. Do you like this song? <laughs> Something like, oh, who cares? Just um, be sincere in your transaction and um, in your interaction. And, you know, don't push it. If you're not feeling it, if they're not vibing back to you, walk away. Like, don't be a creep. Walk away. <laughs> so is it true that people get hit on more often if they're alone in bars? Like, should I just start going to more bars by myself? Not not necessarily, because it depends. Sometimes you're sitting there by yourself. People are like, I don't want to Like, that's a weirdo them. who's drinking alone. <laughs> I used to go do crossword puzzles by myself in um, dive bars. And that was like, especially the bars that had like men who were in their 60s and 70s. Like, that was my favorite. But like, it's funny. I would get hit on a lot more when I was with a group, like a few friends. Yeah. Um, also, like if you're in a huge group of girls or guys, whatever, like you have less of a chance of getting hit on it. But when you're only with like one other one other person, the key number is two, right. honestly, uh, because if there's two people of who's interested, they'll come over right. and, and talk to you. It's a very like unintimidating 
situation. But I feel like the only time these days that anyone ever talks to me at a bar is like at an airport bar. What's that? Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's something magical about meeting people at an airport bar. At an airport bar, and I feel like part of that is generally people know that you're like traveling on your own and bored. So airport, all rules are off at airports. I don't know if you've ever like sat there long enough. So like, you can eat a cheeseburger at 8 a.m. and no one's going to say anything to you. <laughs> like every social norm does not exist in an airport space. It's a bubble. So like, you can start drinking heavily super early in the morning. No one's going to question that. Right. You know, you you could be eating like breakfast at like 6 p.m. No one's going to question it. So when it comes to a bar at an airport, the interesting parts are that everyone's going somewhere so you're sitting and you are in the same situation as the person next to you you're trying to get somewhere you're on a layover you're heading somewhere and so everyone's kind of wants to know like what are you doing plus the probability of you ever seeing that person again is super super low so right. you're it's like giving a speech to strangers and giving a speech to your closest friends which one makes you more nervous and intimidated right your friends right when you don't know anybody you can just do whatever you want knowing that you're never going to see them again and it's like the embarrassment factor you know right. doesn't doesn't even cross your mind I love that. You're so right that rules do not, the rules of normal society and interaction just do not apply at airports. Yeah, that's why, like, when you're at a bar in New York, you're like, New York's so small. You know, you run into people constantly, like, someone you used to be best friends with or someone you hooked up with last Saturday night. So um, <laughs> in New York, the chances of you seeing that person again are high. At an airport, not so much. So uh, my friend Tiffany Brary, who's one of the most brilliant airport bartenders in the country, one flew south in Atlanta, will tell you that, like, she knows every, like, regular who comes to her bar and none of them live in the same place. And yet every person, like, I sat there once for two hours with her and I probably talked to, like, 10 different people at the bar. Right. Because we all were like, where are you going? Where are you coming from? What do you do? And there's such a natural way to start conversation. Yeah. Um, this has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but now that I've been sitting across the room from you from this entire podcast, you look so much like Katy Perry. Do people tell you that all the time? That makes me so happy <laughs> because she's my favorite. Yeah, I've gotten it like once or twice before and and like maybe that's why I love her so much, but I, she's just like sort of has this whole girl like power thing that I, yeah. I, I adore and um, I don't know, she has a lot of the same ideals as me and I... I think she's just a wonderful figure. Yeah. You have her same like giant eyes and oh, like the now, I, now I'm gonna have the happiest day ever. <laughs> so. What kind of drink would you make her? Oh gosh, she came to your bar. Well, first I'd ask her what she's in the mood for. Uh, I think that's always the most important question. I'd I'd love to give her something that packs like a punch, probably with a lot of acidity as well, because I feel like she could take that all in. Um, Something really bright colored, like really like bright pink or like a bright like green or yellow, something because she's very colorful person as well. Right. So something with like colorful garnishes and I don't know. That sounds so fun. Yeah, I know. I know. I want that right now. We should be drinking. It's like my bucket list item this year is to go to one of our concerts. Yeah. It's cool. I'm 31 and I really want to do that. You have to go make her a drink. I, I don't know. know. Are you allowed to bring in like a flask to concerts? I guess people probably do that. I don't know. Not supposed to. Yeah. We we do not encourage it, but people do it anyways. <laughs> there are no rules. There are no rules. Yeah. Um. So do you get, can you really also tell when a date, we kind of talked about if a date is going really badly and kind of like popping in to, um, you know, like maybe break things up or try to change the topic of conversation. Do you, are there signals you notice that people give off when you can tell that like one person is not into it, but the other isn't picking up on that? Basically, if I'm on a really bad date, what should I be looking out for to make sure? It's really funny. A date sat in front of me last week um, and the guy came in first and he was so wonderful and chatty. And I was, I was kind of like, 
he's cool. I'm excited to see, you know, like who gets to sit with him, you know. And this girl came in also like really chatty and like they were they were hitting it off actually right. like, really, really well. Um, but what's interesting is that she was faced, you know, their seats are sitting front, but she was faced completely towards him and very open with her posture. Like her arms were open, everything. But he was faced towards the bar with his arms crossed and would just turn his head to talk to her. Oh. So when she went to the bathroom, well, but they still like, it was going really well. It's right. just, you know. So she went to the bathroom and he's like, I think it's going well. I said, yeah, it is turn towards her stop crossing your arms and open up because her body language is completely towards you and once he did that I mean there was a little bit of like hand holding there was I mean they were very in out at the bar they didn't do that because like they were both like trying to be very respectful but um obviously the date ended very well but it was like one of those moments that I just your body language can scream so much more than whatever you're saying right so I always tell people like it's really important I mean even just try to be in it if it's even if the date's not working out so well. But like arm crossing is a huge thing. Like put your arms down, you know, like open your body towards the person, the posture, look at them in the eyes, you know, and um, genuinely like listen and hear, nod, like, ex- like, you know, validations are big and it's just head nods. Right. That's that's really big. That's huge. I wonder if those people are going to be like your other friends will, where they will come back in three years and be like, we met here. This is our first date. Like, yeah. now we're married. And it will be all because you intervened and told him <laughs> to, like, get his body language but together. you're inclined to do that because you're nervous. And so you, yeah. you want to you wanna create a brick wall in a way and you want to, um, we all we all have baggage. We all have, you know, walls that we put up. But if you're meeting people for the first time, you need to try your very best to just be open and be yourself as as difficult as it might be are there any drinks you would recommend that people do not get on a first date (laughs) (laughs) helen and i (laughs) we joked about this yesterday oh no um it's really important to stay in your comfort zone so i'm all about this whole like exploration like you know when you've ever watched like millionaire matchmaker or like all these things they set up these fantasy dates where it's like and then tonight we're gonna try ants and and you know tacos with um I don't know, like grasshoppers and the person's really weirded out. Like, don't force anyone to do something that's outside their comfort zone. Like, that's say that for the third or fourth date when you're really getting to know someone. Right. First date is about being in your comfort zone, comfortable with yourself, which brings exudes your confidence. So if you drink vodka sodas, just stick with it. Like, there's no need to try that ridiculous cocktail just because your date's getting it. Um, If they judge you for it, then like, so be it. Uh, then they have a lot of issues they have to deal with. Right. My best story is I went on a date with a guy, really lovely, lovely guy, I got to say, back in like 2007. We went to the school bar, sat there, and he's like, I'm going to get a vodka soda. I was like, cool, I'm going to get a Manhattan. For listeners out there, Manhattan's a classic drink made with two parts rye, one part vermouth, and some bitters, and it's stirred normally with a cherry in it. Um, And he's like, what's that? And so I told him, and he's like, I'll have a Manhattan too. I was like, have you ever had one? He goes, no. But I'm, I would like one, too. So I'm three Manhattans deep. He's one and a half. He's wasted. And I'm doing all right. And he's a big guy, too. And I was like, oh, this is not sexy. Like, <laughs> nothing about this is sexy. He should have stuck with his comfortable drink choice because it showed, you know, that confidence level was just sort of gone. And that's not, yeah. that's not hot. Yeah. Um, that is also, like, not as, if he's, like, a vod- vodka soda drinker or whatever you said he was going to order, that's not really, like, a star- a Manhattan isn't really, like, a starter cocktail. It's pretty boozy, right? It's pretty boozy. Um, I mean, that was just me at the time. I was just, like, going on first dates and drinking Manhattans. Yeah. No, I love it. <laughs> I, just... I love it. It sounds cool. You were, the go- you were the girl at the bar who turned around with the Manhattan in her hand. <laughs> yeah, I spilled it everywhere because I can't use those, glass- those glasses at all. 
Um, but I, I tell people stay in your safe zone. Stay stay with the liquors that work best for you. Sometimes go low proof at the beginning. You know, if it's going to be there a long time, vermouths and sherries and amaros are all what we call low proof liquors and liqueurs, um, mean, meaning they're like less than 40% um, ABV or 80 proof. It'll help you sustain the night a lot longer um, and allow you to go a few more rounds, especially if you're enjoying the company or want to go higher proof later. Um, long long drinks are good. We call long drinks ones that um, are in Collins glasses, highballs with ice and sometimes soda water or mixers. So a Tom Collins is a really fantastic cocktail to call for. It's just lemon juice, simple syrup, uh, gin, and soda water. Mm. It's great. Or like a Ricky, which is just lime. It's like the skinny girl cocktail. And a Ricky is just gin, lime juice, and soda water. So you can get that tequila Ricky, and that sounds way sexier than a skinny girl margarita. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Say that again. So tequila Ricky. Ricky is a style of drink. Okay. Yeah, Skipper tequila ricky and then you you sound really cool too um so do that um sometimes maybe don't do your dirty martini because that's a lot of booze all at once and uh that can hit really fast and try to stray from shots don't do shots on your first date because we all know shots end nowhere good we all went to a sorority and fraternity parties in college right. like we know how those kinds of we know how those shots shots and don't ever feel up. like you have to catch up to the person you're with if you're drinking and like Women and men cannot drink the same. And this is known biologically. This is known, you know, that our bodies are different, how we process things. So if someone wants to have three drinks or four drinks and you have two, cool. But remember to also drink water while you're there. Um, And a little snack doesn't hurt. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Can you tell a lot about people by what they order? No. You can tell them. I try. Well, some bartenders, there's those horrible articles out there where it's like, we judge you on your drink choices. Right. And I'm like, that's great. That's not really most of us. Like, you can't assume anything because someone had like a certain flavor set. Right. You know, because like, if you look at me, I make extremely sophisticated cocktails and I love a frozen mudslide. So like, what does that say about me? <laughs> Nothing. It just says I overindulge in a category that everyone likes, which is cream drinks. Right. Um. What I what I can say is that sometimes you can tell someone who goes out to bars maybe is like a little bit more adventurous with their cocktails because of things that they order or ingredients they order. Helen and I spoke about this um, about how like you know if they're going to order something with chartreuse, which is a French liqueur, um, their date would be like, "What is that?" And you can tell that this is someone a bit more knowledgeable about right. the beverage world. But that's really all we can tell. Like I can't assume just because you like rum that you know. There's certain tr- like traits about you, right? Do you have a go-to drink for yourself? Depends upon my mood. Yeah. <laughs> I I drink a lot of Negronis. So for listeners out there, that's um, equal parts um, Campari, which is a bright red amaro you've seen at every bar, even if you don't know what it is. A little bit bitter, a little sweet, um, sweet vermouth and gin on the rocks. I love it. It's bitter and awesome. I drink that. I drink a lot of vermouth and soda. So vermouth is a fortified wine. So if you like wine, you'll, you'll love vermouth. Hmm. And it's nice, very refreshing. Um, I do like 50-50 gin martinis, which means equal parts vermouth and gin. Oh. And that's great because it lowers the proof down. So if you're looking to actually have a martini, that's very smart drinking right there. Um and I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. Weirdly, like my parents, like why am I talking about my parents? But my parents will drink like martinis that are like half vodka, half gin. But I've never Oh, heard. so that's close to what we call a Vesper martini. Oh, okay. So if you had a little Lillet Blanc in there, then you got a Vesper. It's like very James Bond. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then maybe that's where they got the idea. Yeah. I don't know. But I've never heard with vermouth. Yeah. So gin. that, and I also drink cognac old fashions because they're 
delicious. <laughs> if you're looking for something different, if maybe you don't like bourbon or whiskey, I try cognac. I haven't met anyone who doesn't like it. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Helen, what about you? What's your go-to drink? I also days? love a Negroni. They're so beautiful, and I always, you know, feel compelled to like just stare at it at the same time as I'm drinking it, um, and they're delicious too. I feel like Negronis are everywhere right now. Mm-hmm. I don't really think I love them, but maybe I haven't had a good one. They're not for everybody. Yeah, depends if you like bitterness or not. But you can also trade out like Campari for like Aperol, which is a little bit sweeter, a little bit lower proof, right? Um, and it changes the dynamic and maybe like a Blanc Vermouth. What's that? So it, it sounds fancy. <laughs> yeah, it's just Vermouths come in like different styles, like Blanc, uh, dry, um, sweet, or Rosso. So it's just the uh, way, okay. the types of grapes are used, and then sort of what they add to it. So Blanc's a little bit they say like softer, a little bit more floral. Uh, it's delicious, just on the rocks with a grapefruit peel. It's so good. <laughs> we were talking yesterday about people who know a lot about cocktails and want to really make that obvious and what that says about them, you know? Like a guy who will say, like, yeah, the yellow chartreuse, like, and you're trying to, I don't know, do what at that point? Yeah, it's it's funny when you have someone who's super educated and someone not, and they're like, I'll have a, a green chartreuse and soda, and which just happened to me at a bar. And the guest, everyone's like, what's that? And you hear him start talking. He's like, it's this French liqueur. And he's giving all these wrong facts. And right. I'm like, okay, so I'm not here to make you look dumb. Right. I'm here to actually make you look like a rock star. And I looked at him. I was like, dude, do you want green? Or I actually love yellow chartreuse and soda. And he goes, I don't think I've tried yellow. And I give it to him. I was like, all the same things you said, you know, 130 different botanicals, lower proof, and is freaking awesome with soda water. And he's like, yeah, let's do that one. So like, now I made you look cooler because you already knew about a category. Plus, I gave you teeny bits of education. And your friends now still think that you are, like, the coolest guy in the room. So my whole point, again, when you're sitting at my bars, I need to make sure that you look like a rock star. At, I love that. And always shapes and forms. It's the it's the bartender shaming that, like, I hate. And you yeah. should not you should never sit at a bar and tolerate a bartender who ever shames you because um, that's just not good service. And that's just not, you know, it's not right. How often do people at the bar buy drinks? You know, like that movie thing, like where the bartender comes over and they're like, and she's like, this one's on the gentleman at the other end of the bar. It happens. I love that. It's so cute. It's great. I mean, I mean, that's a super bold mood. I move. I used to do that to men at the bar. I'm really aggressive. So <laughs> if I want something, like I'll go, I'll go get it. Um, and and just for people to know, it's a really uh, aggressive move. In a lot of ways, it's a really slick move, but don't ever expect because you buy a drink for someone that they have to talk to you or that they need to say hi to you or that they're going to go home with you at the end of the night. So just know where your money is going. Um, You know, and the nice thing, the courteous thing to do is if someone gives you a drink, you don't have to accept it. Like if you're not interested in that person, like you don't have to say yes. Um, But, you know, if you do take it, do go over and just at least say hi and say thank you. You know, it's a courtesy thing, Um, but don't ever feel pressured or, or like, cocktail pressured, drink pressured into accepting something that you don't want to if you're not interested in someone. Um, Even though I was talking about the romantic fantasy version of it, I do think that's a good point because I think a lot of women feel obligated if someone does buy them a drink that that means I'm at least obligated to talk to this person or like, you know, and I feel like as women we deal with that all the time. You sort of innately in some situations don't want to feel like you're being mean or rude. But yeah, that is a good point. You are not obligated to take that drink. And even if you do, you can say thank you, but that doesn't mean you owe someone a conversation. Exactly. But what's the protocol when you don't want the drink? So the easiest thing I say is if a bar, first off, the bartender should come over and say, gentleman down there in the hat would like to buy you a drink. Um, you know, 
what are you drinking? Is that okay? So they should ask you first. They shouldn't just make it and give it to you because like, that's not very courteous. Um, but the nice thing, if you're not interested, you could just be like, thank you so much, but I think this is my last round um, and I'm just holding on to some water from here on out. Tell them, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I'll thank them on the way out. That's a good one. Yeah. Or like, I just suddenly realized right now that I'm pregnant. <laughs> like, all of a sudden I can't drink anymore. <laughs> I decided to go into AA right now. <laughs> um, After seeing that person in the hat's disgusting face. But you have to remember, even if you don't want the drink, how much courage it took for them just to try to do that that act. So always acknowledge, you know, the, say thank you no matter what. And again, you do not owe them a conversation. You don't have to talk to them. Um, but your bartender should be there as a facilitator, you know, as a proper facilitator. And we are almost out of time, but... Even though I could talk about this all day, Helen, do you have any last questions you want to get in? I have one more, but if you have another. Yeah. Well, I kind of want to know about the end, the yeah, me walking too. away, you know, what it what it is you see when people hit it off and go home together yeah. or want to see each other again. Bars. Yeah, making out in bars. Like tacky or wonderful. So <laughs> there's this beautiful fine line of making out in public, okay? And it's just like cute, like maybe for like five seconds, you're like, making out and that's really magical and there's like a you know that tingling feeling in your body you're like yes. make out with someone in the bar and it's wonderful but like as soon as the hands go places and you're like doing it for like hours on end I'm looking at you and I'm like you have a home <laughs> that person has a place to go like this bar is not as sexy as your bedroom or your couch or wherever you're gonna take somebody like go home at this point go crack a bottle of wine there and go do it um, the bar is not a place for you to have sexual escapades you know um, <laughs> but I'm sure people do like in the bathroom yeah, and stuff you know if you're at a bar that has like two bathrooms don't go have sex in the bathroom because people have to go to the bathroom <laughs> Okay. If you're in a bar, also if you're in a bar that's disgusting, don't have sex in the bathroom. You don't know what's around you. Uh, I mean, it happens. People love to. It's kind of like an informal, like, I feel like it's like one of those bucket list items. It's yeah. like Mile High Club, like, oh, sex in a bar. Bathrooms and airplanes are very small. Don't do yeah. that. Like, it's not comfortable. But I will say there is a thrill behind it. I get it. But just be aware of where you are when you're doing it. Okay. And um, if, if you're enjoying that person's company and you, there is like some sexual chemistry there take you know close up your check like be really cool and be like I've got some wine at home or like let's go swing by and grab like a six pack of beer and come like Netflix and chills whatever right. <laughs> that's what the youngins call it these days oh right? yes great Netflix and chills um, so that's cool there is a as, oh, there is a really fine line between it but I think like really nice genuine like first kisses are pretty great and like I'm behind the bar being like yeah (laughs) Um, I love that yeah like you said earlier you're such like a you root for love yeah that's that's all you want you want people like and then come back and be like this is where I met this person or whether it goes well or not it's like knowing that they had a great time in a certain place that'll stick out in their memory um, not like the time I got dumped in my favorite scotch bar. So, no. so if it's okay, the bartender was on my side and called the guy a, a mean name when he left. So. <laughs> Is it still your favorite scotch bar? Um, no, but... <laughs> but not because of that. Not because of that. Uh, but still, yeah, it's you, you like to have your home base be a magical place for people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, go ahead. Um, I was just going to say that we should all, I feel like we, all of our New York readers need to check out Seamstress. It seems like a bar where magical things will happen and will you, you will help connect us all to the loves of our life. It's fun. I, I, 
I will definitely try to do that for you. We have a lot of really great dynamic staff. Our like floor staff is great, and our bartenders. So anybody really has that ability um, to fall in love. Yeah, and just remember, like regardless of how well a night goes, and I, I think this is the last takeaway I have. Um, just little things to look for. Um, when you're on a date with someone, just notice how they treat the help or the service in the place. Um, notice if they're saying please or thank you, the tone and the demeanor that they talk to them because there are such key indicators right there and then whether or not you should go running away. Right. Um, that's why bars are great places. It's such a good social experiment to see how a person acts, you know, in public and whether that's, you know, what you want or not. Right. Um, and just, you know, just relax because we're here to always help. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, where should people follow you on Twitter, Instagram? Um, I'm really active on Instagram, so I'm just at Pam Woods, so P A M W I Z. That's a um, great handle. Thanks. Yeah. I love so that. it's a shortened version of my name because it's too long. My Twitter is at Pamela Wisnitzer, but I'm more active with the pictures. Um, you can see where I travel to, like in the world, and um, I'd like to call out really cool cocktail spots like around the place. So I'll always tag the bars. If I'm probably in cities close to you. Um, That's amazing. It's like follow you just to get like the inside scoop on all the best places around the country and world. To that's go. what I like to do. I like yeah. to showcase the best spots. I love that. Um, and Helen, where should our listeners follow you? I'm also more of an Instagram person, and I'm at h e l i n j u n g. Helen has a great Instagram. I follow it. Oh my gosh, I know. <laughs> Helen just went on an amazing vacation. Where were you in Iceland? I was mostly in Reykjavik. Yeah, in the capital. And it was amazing and astonishing and freezing as cold. Yeah. <laughs> but so beautiful and magical. Yeah. So check that out, too. Check that out, too. All right. Well, thank you both so much. It was so fun to talk about love and cocktails. I feel like I kind of want to drink now and also to fall in love. We so. have a happy hour later today. Oh, a yay. literal one. Yeah. Helen's job at the office is to plan happy hours for us. <laughs> that's my whole time. job. Yeah. That's your whole job. That's all you do. That's all you do. That's perks of working at Cosmo. So thank you all so much for listening. Um, please subscribe to Cosmopolitan.com happy hour podcast share it tweet us love it and tune in next tune in next week bye guys bye We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.